does, doesn't it? I know how to pick this okay, okay. Well, there, there's a there's a, a loose nut between the screen and the and the podium here. Thank you, Brother Stevie. <laughs> We're going to be in Second Timothy chapter four, and the title tonight's message is "Fight the Good Fight." And I'm going to try something new here for me. Brother Stevie was able to instruct me on on being able to. Uh, Enlarge this little cabinet so that my blind eyes can see them. If you're joining us tonight online, I want to welcome you and I consider being here in the sanctuary with the experience that God is doing while standing at the church. Of course, you're visiting with us tonight as well. We want to welcome you and ask you to consider being a part of what God is doing as well at Robert Stanford Baptist Church. Tonight's message is titled Fight the Good Fight. In fact, the Bible is filled with pictures of going to war, it's filled with pictures of fighting. Good versus evil. In the New Testament, you get the picture of Christian soldiers. In fact, the Apostle Paul will often tell Timothy, You are a soldier of the Lord. With that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you now in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word. Speak to us. Touch us. Open our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name. Second Timothy chapter 4, let's read verses 5 to 8. The Bible says, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. And the reason why we've included these verses right here is because Paul tells Timothy how to be that soldier of the Lord. Be watchful in all things, especially as a pastor, especially as a father, especially as a mother, especially as a Christian. We need to be watchful for all things. And incidentally, we need to be watching what's happening in the world today. Not to be set on the world, not to be distraught by the world, but to be guarded against what the world is trying to put inside our churches today. We endure afflictions and we do the work of an evangelist. Make sure you take the time to share the gospel with your family, your friends, your loved ones. Share it at HEB. Share it at Walmart. Share it at 7-Eleven. They need the gospel. And the Bible says, fulfill your ministry. And Paul is at the end of his life. It feels like at this time he is at the end of his ministry. He says here in verse 6, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. This is what we're picking up in our studies now. I have fought the good fight, Timothy. I have fought that good fight. And I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. And we're going to look at those three particular uh, pictures inside of verse 7. I have fought that good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, the Apostle Paul said, I have fought the good fight. As Christians, we don't like to talk about fighting all the time. We like, we like to picture, turn the other cheek. Can I get an amen on that? In fact, it was right here at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church that I first heard a Baptist preacher stand up and say, when someone smacks you on one cheek, you got to turn them on the other cheek. And if someone asked a question, he said, what happened? Preacher won't be one out of cheek. Well, that preacher turned around and said, you got two more. Sure did. Some of you probably know who I'm talking about. He was a large guy with a reddish beard. He was a wonderful guy. He said, you got two more. And he said, when they smack those two, turn the other two back to you. The Apostle Paul says, I have fought the good now, what is a good fight? What's a good fight to you? What's worth a Christian fighting over? 
Now, just looking at that phrase leads us to understand that there are types that are not good. In fact, I want you to go with me now in a Jewish mindset in just a second. A lot of times when we get into Jewish mindset, when we get in the Old Testament, we look at things like the Ten Commandments, or we look at things like, Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. You know, well, that's the Third Commandment. But you've got to understand the implied in not taking the Lord's commandments implied honor the Lord's name. That is what's written in there when you understand it. It says, remember the Sabbath and don't forget it. It's implied in it. Don't make idols. What's implied is you honor only the Lord your God. You get the picture. And the Apostle Paul, being a Jewish man, is implying that here. Because he says, I have fought the good fight. There's fights that are good and there's fights that are not good. If you look in your Christian life, I guarantee you, there's been fights we've wasted our time on. You probably know, yesterday I spent time in First Baptist Church Rogers in our associational meeting with one of our pastors laid dead on the shoulder in Christ. He said, Josh, I had some pretty much fighting over the family. That's where this Bible study was born. Fight. Good. But there are fights that are not good. Let me give you some examples of some of those not good fights. You know, you're sitting in my seat. You ever heard that about a Baptist church? Every pew is labeled underneath. You got a name written there, you know? Same with when you pull up in the parking place. You're in my space. And if you're in my space, I'll tone you away. Or how about this one? You did this to me. Or you did that to me. These are so what is a good fight? What would you classify as a good fight as a Christian? Well, I believe, and I'm going to put my feelings out there, I believe the good fight is all about your faith. A good fight is all about your heart. And let me use that word heart loosely because we know biblically our heart can deceive us. Amen? We need to fight though for our heart. What I mean by that is for what we love. Fathers, fight for your children. Fathers, fight for your wives. Moms, fight for your children. Moms, fight for your husband. Don't stop fighting. That's a good fight. Amen? It's also about your eternity in the future. Somewhere down the line, Christians forgot that we're supposed to remember that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. And we just roll over and take it sometimes. But those are good things. And these are worth fighting for. But don't fight. And don't waste one minute. Once in a billion of a second, fighting fights are not worthy. So let's jump quickly over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want you to remember that Apostle Paul is told Timothy, fight the good fight. So look with me in chapter 9, verses 24 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who completes uh, for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. And we're looking at the good fight. And Paul says, I fight, but not like one who beats the air. But I discipline my body, verse 27, and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself become disqualified. First Corinthians chapter 9, we understand, we discover that Paul says, thus I fight. But not as one who beats the air. As a young pastor and as a young Christian, we often liken that phrase to a boxer shadow boxing. But I began to understand that's not what Paul is talking about. 
What the Apostle Paul is talking about is somebody who gets into a contest. Somebody who gets into a... Let's just use modern-day boxing. In fact, you can ask any modern-day champion we've had. One of the ones that I remember most of all is Mike Tyson. I grew up watching him. He was an amazing boxer. I used to love watching him. He was so entertaining. But if he got in the ring and he swung his punches and missed and missed and missed and missed, then his punches would be useless. And that's what the Apostle Paul is referring to here. When I got into a ring, I learned to hit my target, not just swing uselessly, and not just swing without hitting what I need to hit. You know, there's a truth when it comes to evangelizing. Remember, we started out, the Apostle Paul said, Do the work of evangelists. Understand, when you're preaching the gospel, that you hit the target. You shoot for the target. When you're scattershot, you miss so much. And incidentally, it doesn't matter how loud the bang is. It doesn't matter how showman-like the bang is. It matters where the bullet comes. Paul says, I'm not like that one that beats the air. I'm not getting in a boxing ring and missing my target. You remember Muhammad Ali? I bet you do. He was famous for rope a He was famous for being able to move out of your way. That guy could dodge with Everest clip right now, but he showed him dodging 21 punches in less than four seconds. Like a cartoon. You get to watch him move so fast. And of course, when the guy's done punching, he's out of steam. And Christian, when you get into a ring and you're just beating the air because your opponent is stepping out of the way, he's one step ahead of you. Because you're no longer using prayer, and you're no longer using the Bible, you're using your own will and your own thoughts, and you're missing the mark every time. In fact, I want to remind you what the Bible says about things that are not done of faith. Anything not done of faith is sin. Now, we're not talking about shadow boxing here. We're talking about a match in which one participant keeps missing. He misses every time he swings his hand. He's beating the air. And when you're beating the air, it means nothing. Now let's move back to the shadow boxing picture, though. Y'all can learn a little bit about that. I used to do some boxing myself, and shadow boxing hones skills. It causes you to have something called technique, where your punch goes out and your punch comes straight back. It's not you learn that you're dropping your punch, and you learn that you're not keeping your elbows tucked in, and you see that in your shadow boxing. So shadow boxing can be very beneficial. But in the ring, when you're missing, your punches are useless. Beating the air means nothing. If you were to ask Manny Pacquiao right now, what does it mean to get in the air for the hardest punch you ever threw and completely miss? He said, it means nothing. You've got to learn to beat the person. Now, I know I shouldn't be talking about that in the Christian church, and that does not give you the green light to start beating the guy next to you with you. <laughs> you've got to beat the person. If you want your punches to count, you've got to beat the situation. Paul says we can get there and beating the air. Hey, Christian, your words, your prayers, your meanings are not fruitless. I understand something. When you've got God on your side, there's nothing impossible. Amen? You have got to learn to beat this person. You've got to learn to beat the situation. You've got to learn to fight the good fight. And fight the good fight is not just punching the air. It's it's not a bunch of hot air coming out of us. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race now. I'm going to run out of time if I stay on. I a good fight, but let me tell you, there's a lifetime of preaching, and I fought the good fight. I have fought that good fight. He talks about putting on armor. He talks about God giving us weapons and mighty and pulling down the strongholds of the devil, the enemy. You know, it's 
Let's move then to the Apostle Paul said, hey, fight the good fight. He also said, I have finished the race. Look now, there is a race. You have a race. And life, Christian life, is not just strolling. Unfortunately, though, the modern-day church that preached Christianity is just a stroll down memory lane or stroll in the park and just stop to sniff the daisy. That is not Christianity. It's a race, says Paul. He says, I have ran the race and I've finished the race. And you understand, the race isn't a 40-yard dash. It's a marathon. We're not just strolling or moseying, though. I like the word moseying because one is Jewish like me. Have you know, see the word Moses in there? Why do we call it Moses? Because Moses took 40 years. Get where you go. Moses! We're not just strolling. We need to think of it, though, like we're in a race. In fact, think of it kind of like this. You might know what that is. That's right. We don't hardly see those anymore because nowadays people slip and fall and hurt themselves on escalators and people get sued. But think of your race like this. As this big, big elevator. And the only elevator you can get on has got its tread, its, its steps going down. And you've got to get to the top. There's no other stairs. There's no poles. There's no ladders. There's no rope. Nothing but the escalator. And every time you get on the escalator, you've got a race to run. You've got to run at full speed to get to the top. And the moment you stop, what do you think is going to happen? Understand the picture of your Christian life here. You're running up on an escalator that's going down. And what happens when you stop running up? Of course, you start going back down. You go back down. So what happens in your Christian life when you say, I'm taking a break. I ain't going to church this week. I don't feel like it. Somebody may be a little bit angry. You know what? We've got to fight the good fight. And you've got to keep running the race. When you take that break, you find yourself going right back down. Right back down. There is no, I'll take a break attitude in Christianity. There is none. Being a child of the 1980s, I think I loved Bugs Bunny more than any other cartoon. How many of you remember he would do Aesop's Fables? And the favorite one of all of us kids was when he would race the tortoise. Bugs Bunny raced the tortoise. And I thought it was amazing because Bugs Bunny got jet packs and skis and and gone. You know, he would get roller skates and, and, and just beat the turtle, and he would stop, I mean, a, an inch from the finish line. And now I've got hours to kill. And the moment he turned his back, the turtle went right across the line. When you learn to take breaks in your Christianity, when you say, I've got to have a break in my relationship with God, you're going back down the escalator. You are going back down, and you're going to have to regain the ground you've already lost. Paul says, Run, but you're going to win. The life of a believer, church, is a race. You're supposed to be running in. And understand some people are faster than others. And ultimately, in a marathon, it's not about how fast you are, but how much you can endure. Amen? And whether or not you can make that 26 point, is it 26.2 miles? Thank you for that. You know, I would not know that. Somebody say amen. So, Betsy bought my truck for me about two years ago, and the bumper stickers on the back still there. It says 13.1, and that's indicative of somebody who ran half a marathon. First thing I do is put a big strap down there and say, that is a lie. No, I will not run 13 miles unless I was short of getting to a donut shop or something like that. 
words of our comedian the other night, why else would one run? Amen? The life of the believer is a race. And you're supposed to be running that race. You have a race to run. And a lot of times, we take that race a little too figurative, though. We start saying, I'm in competition with other Christians. No, you're not. You need to do what Paul did. See, Paul said, he didn't say, I ran it to become the champion. He said, I ran it to finish it. Finish it. I have finished the race. Your job, Christian, is to finish the race. Your job is to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the life of a believer. You gotta run like you wanna win, though. Not in competition with the other Christians. But run like you wanna finish. That means you gotta learn to pace. You gotta learn to breathe. You gotta learn how to move your arms. You gotta learn how to put hands over top of your head. Run like you wanna win. No stolen, no moving, no breach. Run. Run. In fact, you need to keep your eyes on the finish line. Like, when we think about finish line, that's often what we see. A past that three will take off the track. I want to remind you our finish line not easy. And we've been trying to beat other Christians to the, to the punch, trying to beat other Christians bigger churches, trying to beat other Christians. So, I got this person in my church. I got that person in my church. I got a better pianist. I got a better guitar. I got a better singer. I got a better preacher. Our finish line is not here on earth. In fact, our home is not here on earth. It's up in heaven. Look. Look at what the Bible says. Look at me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at me in verses 2 to 3. The Bible tells us, I know, man, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. Just to give you a background of the Corinthian church and the problems that it had. And you know it had some immorality problems. It had spiritual problems. It had clique problems. Group problems. Where like, this is all good thing. Nope, 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 nope. You ever ministered in the land passage? You know what I'm talking about. I know a man in Christ, says the Apostle Paul, who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know. Let me tell you what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, I met somebody with a vision. This is how spiritual the Apostle Paul is, and this is how humble the Apostle Paul is. I know a man in Christ. I know this person. You don't know him. I know him. Fourteen years ago, whether in the body I don't know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Where would Paul have met him at? Unless he was there. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, do not know. God knows. Remember the finish line. And my point is, the Apostle Paul got to see the finish line. He didn't get to see the finished product. He didn't get to see the return of Jesus. He didn't get to see the rewards given out. But he got to see, and I want you to forgive me for my typo there. He got to say the finish line. He got to see the finish line. He got to see the welcome is waiting for us. But he's still living. He's still living. Some of us are like, I ain't running there no more. You got a relationship problem with God. You know why? Paul addresses that. He says, fight the fight. He says, run the race to finish it. But that's what he's saying. Back again, let's take a Timothy. He says, I count. Faith. I kept that faith. 
good fight. I ran the race. I kept the faith. Let me say it again. He kept the faith. Can you say that right now? I've kept the faith. I'll tell you something. I wish you didn't have to be. But I'm saying something right now. Walking away from what God is doing, God keeps the faith. Giving up and quitting what God has called you to do is not keeping the faith. That, I've often questioned people who are serving you as a ministry. You can walk away from what you say God called you to do, and God didn't really call you to do it. Let me tell you something. Having been a person who tried, God will say, if He commands it, you're going to do it whether you like it. I once told God, I'm not preaching. I went up to Gatesville. I sat there in front of that courthouse. One day, I said to me, I said to the Bible, I picked it up. It was the Apostle Paul. I will give you the quote. It said, Woe be unto me if I preach not to be I went back home and said, Betsy, I'm back. Paul could have lost his faith. He had Christians who were false. He had Christians who were fake. He had Christians who hated him. He had people who didn't like that he was Jewish. He didn't have people who didn't like that he was short. He had people who didn't like that he was loud. He didn't have people who like that Paul could have lost his faith. I guarantee you, Christian, Christian was here. He looked back at that testimony of Brother Mark Tyson. He was Christian over 50 years. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Paul could have blamed anybody, though. Can't you know how Paul ends his ministry? You think he would end his ministry being the pastor of First Baptist Church of Ephesus or something like that? No. Paul ends his ministry with his body being torn in Decorating the garden parties of Nero. For Nero would stand out if he set fire to his body parts in his vessel of oil and say, Now, Paul, you're the right of the world. Now you are. You're like no my garden part. Paul could have blamed Christians, and you know, sometimes we do, and sometimes we know people right now who are at home, and maybe you're one of those online tonight, and you're saying, I just can't go back to a church. They hurt my feelings there. There's demon deacons there. There's possessive pastors. There's territorial type ones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Christians are easy to blame, aren't they? But, but Christianity is not about Christians. It is about Christ. It's always been about Christ. If you were in church for other people, you're here for the wrong reason. You should be here for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and Him alone. That He's the only one worth looking at, the only one worth following, the only one worth worshiping. He's the only one worthy. And let me tell you, He's the only one worthy to open the seven seals. You already know where I'm going. He's the only one worthy. It's never been about us. It's never been about how many friends you have, how popular you are, or how wonderful your ministry is. If we were to base our Productiveness. If we were to base our worthiness on how fruitful we are, you would miss out on what Christianity is. You'd miss out on You would miss out on it. Let me tell you a little biblical sequence. That's right. Jesus doesn't go into Samaria very much, does he? Just twice, actually, through the New Testament. He goes in once, 
the woman at the Samaritan well, John chapter 4. And later on, at the end of his ministry, he ends up in a Samaritan village. And they actually tell Jesus, you need to go, because we can tell on your face. You need to go to Jesus. And you know what happens? You know what happens? One woman becomes a Christian. One that we know of. She goes and tells everybody in her village about Jesus. And Jesus spends a few days there, etc., etc. I want you to know, later on, when the disciples go in, historically, that's one of the greatest, strongest church planting areas that ever was because of that little thing kind of group. Sometimes we try to say, oh my goodness, I didn't make a lot of Christians. I didn't have big numbers, so must I be fruitful? Wrong. God's word does not come back to this. Not ever. Incidentally, it's not about Christians. That's Christ. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 12. Let's read verses 1 to 2. The Bible says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, please remember the author of Hebrews here, and I believe it was the Apostle Paul, let us lay aside every weight and sin. He just got done writing about the, what we call the, the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith, if you will, all these faithful examples. He says, you know, since we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses in chapter 11, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And I need you to get that picture back of running that race. And when we get into sin, it trips us while we're running. It weighs us down while we're running. This is what the author said. Let's get rid of every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Why? Here's the race. Run the race to finish it. And this is how you do it. This is in verse 2 because it's not about Christians. Now, Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I want you to know this right here. Jesus called you, Jesus will finish you. Somebody say, if Jesus started it, Jesus will finish you. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Son of God. Christianity is not about you. But it's not about other Christians. Christianity is about Jesus Christ. Look at me in Colossians 1, 26-27. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is? What is? In you, the hope of glory. So now to recap, two little bits that we learned this Very small, very basic Bible study. We're taking a look again. Apostle Paul says, fight, good fight. What do you consider a good fight? Whether or not the cookie is good is not a good fight. Somebody say amen. Whether or not the Cowboys are the best NFL team is not a good fight. Whether or not you like the pastor's pants or shirt or coat is not a good fight. What's a good fight? Hey, what you love, your family will fight you for. I believe God requires that of fathers. God requires that of family. Defend your family. How do I get that? Let's go back to the book of Genesis. Hey, Adam. Your job is to go in the garden, tend it, and keep it. Amen. Amen. You look after me. I think where Adam started falling short, when we let his wife hold a conversation with a snake. How about you? Would let your wife talk to a snake? My wife wouldn't talk to a snake at all. She's like, so you said absolutely, positively not. 
Betsy has done replaced her word perfect in the Bible with spider. <laughs> Betsy's terrified of spiders. Here's the point, though. The point is this. We have to fight a good fight. Let me tell you something. Your children are worth fighting for. Do not let the LGBTQ plus insanity take your children. We are the children of God. And if they can get an agenda in school systems, how come we can? And the reason why is because we have quit fighting the good fight. Somebody say amen. We quit doing it. We just roll over so well as the world. So let's just give it up to the world. No! We're supposed to remember what the Scripture tells us. The gates of hell never prevail against God's church. Ever. My point is this. You've got things worth fighting for. You've got the church. You've got your faith. You've got the Scripture. You've got your family. They are worth fighting for. That's the A lot of people get in there and say, well, our country worth fighting for. Absolutely, I love this country. But ultimately, it comes down between the United States and the Word of God. I'm going with the Word of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep fighting the good fight. Paul says, run, break, finish it. There's one thing I found in Christianity that hurts the church more than anything else in the world. And that's the ministers who begin ministry and then quit. They start teaching and they say, yeah, I want to keep doing this. And they quit. They start leaving the Sunday school class and eight, nine months later, they quit. They open up ministry and they quit. Somewhere down the line, Christians are walking. Why? So we forgot how to preach. So we need to run like we're going to finish. Run it like we're going to finish. When you make a commitment to God, it should be absolutely positively true. Somebody say amen. When you make a commitment to Christians, it should be totally We keep running like we're going to finish. Paul also said, I kept saying, don't make anything destroy your relationship with God. Pastor mine once years ago counseled me and said, Hey Josh, instead of anybody take your joy, you play the part of the fool. I'm gonna tell you he never could have been more right. You let someone steal your joy, you play the part of the fool. You let HUB traffic make you angry, you let Thomas go one lane standing at the stop clock for seventy two minutes make you angry, you are you're wrong. That's not what you're going to do with God. That's not what fighting is about. Some of us lose our Christianity the moment somebody cuts us off on the highway. So they did. Amen or oh me? <laughs> However, you need to keep faith. Don't let anything come between you and your Jesus. Don't let anything come between you and your relationship with God. Don't let anything come between you and God the Father. My point is this. Make it simple. When the world tries to steal you of your joy, when the world tries to take you out of being a faithful Christian, remember what the Apostle Paul said. I have kept faith. Remember, he's on the verge of dying. He is in prison. He is in amateur prison. Paul says, I'm going to pour out the good of the good part. You know what you think of him? Whether you take wine or oil. It was old and before the temple. Even though they still did it the temple contract, it was old. It should be like all the way back to like when Father Jacob was there. My ancestor. He built himself a pillow 
had a rock and he had a dream. We call it Bethel. We call it Jacob's Rock. Jacob's Rock. Paul says, I'm going to point out something. This is Never Never was there a more amazing man as far as it comes to God. God. Apostle Paul was an amazing gentleman. When he finished his advice to Timothy, he says, Fight the good fight. Keep running. It's faith. He reminds us that Christianity is not the absence of problems, something that we desire. Christianity is not the absence of problems. In fact, a lot of people come to church they want they think it's going to end their problems with COVID. Christianity is not the absence of problems, but rather, it is learning that we have the presence of Christ. Because we have the presence of Christ, we can fight the good fight and win. Because we have the presence of Christ, we can run and endure. Because we have the presence of Christ, in John 14, 21. This is Jesus speaking the words of the Son of God. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And listen to what Jesus said. And show myself to him. Manifest myself to him. Do you want to see Jesus? Do you want Jesus to reveal himself to you? And you know what? Fight the good fight. Run the race.